May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture is from Exodus 24, 12 through 18. God said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there. I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up onto the mountain of God. To the elders he said, wait here for us until we come back to you. Look, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of God settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Mo- God, sorry, God called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of God was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the Israelites. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, beloved, the season of Lent is upon us again. We have a scripture verse with some fiery language. I'm wearing my big heels today, so you know I'm going to be bringing some language, some fire. (laughs) So amid this season of Lent is here again, amid the chaotic nature of our cultural landscape, amid the uncertain future of our pastoral leadership here at church. And amid the weather that, can't see, that we can't seem to get a handle on, yet still disrupts our routines nonetheless. Lent endures. And as a millennial, most of my friends and peers have given up church affiliation, or the practices of Christianity, or really any organized religion. As I've discussed with our confirmands, I believe much of this rejection is due to the oppressive and hypocritical actions of the imperial church. The imperial church, of course, was the church that was co-opted by the Roman Empire and used as a tool to control the masses. It is still alive and well today and emphasizes personal subjugation rather than communal care. Serving the desires of the empire and neglecting the mission of Jesus. We see it when preachers preach fear and division instead of love and compassion. We see the imperial church at work when $7 million are spent on two commercials for Jesus during the Super Bowl. And let's be clear, it's not that $7 million were spent, but that it was spent trying to build submission and acceptance for Jesus, not the work that Christ calls us to do. 
Imagine if those ads were not, he gets us, but were instead focused on humanizing people experiencing homelessness or advocating for our government to turn their swords into plowshares, as Jesus did and calls us to do. Hello, little stink bug friend. (laughs) This hypocrisy has turned many in my generation, Gen Z, and even turned older generations too, away from church life, away from exploring a relationship with transcendent love and grace that we call God, and even away from the idea of leading a virtuous life. This past week, I saw a dear, dear friend with a huge heart and a strong sense of justice. Hey, little friend. Why don't you come over here? There we go. This friend, not my stink bug friend, but this friend in Colorado with a big heart and sense of justice posted a meme on her Facebook page that said, I'm doing a reverse Lent this year where I pick a new vice to get hooked on for the next 40 days. (laughs) Taking suggestions. And her boyfriend, who also is a really kind and loving person, commented, Aw, babe, can we do this together? (laughs) And I know it's a joke, but it's a joke based on a cultural understanding that the practices of our faith do nothing to help us love our neighbors and only serve our own selfish interests. Or that seeking to be virtuous is to embody the oppressive and hypocritical stance taken by the imperial church. For too long, the imperial church has succeeded in forcing its bigoted and ignorant pseudo-morality on society. And this is the result. That's why I'm so passionate about this Lenten series that we embark on today, to reclaim virtue. Because the hypocritical imperial church has so traumatized, dehumanized, oppressed, and sinned against creation that now the very idea of being virtuous is to be a fool, a hypocrite, a bigot, an untrustworthy villain who most certainly has ulterior motives for trying to be so virtuous. Because the loudest speakers in the room have always said that chastity, a holy virtue, abstaining from illegal or immoral sexual intercourse, is a virtue. And in practice, chastity means no sex before marriage, only heterosexual relationships, and let's dehumanize women into nothing more than incubators. No wonder chastity is so stigmatized. Oh, plus let's not even acknowledge trans people exist. But as long as I have the microphone, (laughs) I will say louder that that is not how the virtue of chastity should be practiced. It only means all those things if God hates gays and sees women as slaves to men. But unfortunately, that's the stance of the imperial church. 
because the imperial church upholds the status quo and supports the power imbalance that keeps sinful hypocrites in power. This is what I wish the world knew. In this church, St. Luke Presbyterian Church, we believe God loves gays. Love it. I got amens in the white church. Yeah. (laughs) And recognizes non binary and trans lives as worthy of freedom and justice, right alongside cis women and men. Our understanding of God is based on Christ's Sermon on the Mount and a lifetime of ministry presented in the Holy Bible. With our understanding, of God and Christ's ministry being so different than the bigoted one presented by the imperial church, it stands to reason that our understanding of virtues will be different as well. Now, the imperial church loves to say that its authority comes from God. It idolizes the Holy Bible and then changes the words and intentions of the passages in it to fit its bigoted needs. It is for this reason that I connect our faith directly to the Holy Bible and encourage a robust understanding of its pages, which in doing so supports our understanding of virtue, morality, and authority. Indeed, we heard today a story of Moses going up a mountain and getting instructions for the Israelites directly from God. Now, Whether or not that actually happened, or if it's a metaphor to understand the Israelites believed their faith was divinely sanctioned, can never be answered completely without time machine. Either way, we have a text that concludes authority is God's. And you've heard me say similar sentiments, that to put our faith in God is to hold ourselves to a higher moral standard than what is present in the laws of our land today. Laws that not too long ago said interracial marriage was a sin. And in some parts of our country, like Tennessee and Ohio, today are still trying to make being trans or having an abortion a felony. Giving our loyalty to God holds us to the standard of law that was first set forth for the Israelites, then fulfilled through the ministry of Christ. Which one which that ministry of Christ, which is one which cares for people's lives. For what does our God require of us? You've already heard it once today. It's printed on the front of the bulletin. I love that people are looking for it. (laughs) It's our mission statement, spoken each week as we begin our services to seek justice, love kindness, walk humbly in relationship. Expanded on in the Ten Commandments, summed up by Christ. This is our duty to God. Seek justice, love kindness, walk humbly in relationship, and with that understanding... I present to you the virtue of chastity, stripped from the toxic clutches of imperial Christianity. Chastity, 
the act of being chaste, chaste, the abstention from unlawful or immoral intercourse. Now, we teach the Our Whole Lives Human Sexuality and Education course here for all ages. Anyone who's taken my OWL course hopefully will testify when I say that sexuality is different than intercourse. Amen? Sexuality is an umbrella term that includes our identity, our gender, our sex assigned at birth, our expression and attractions. One of the core tenets of this curriculum is that all people are sexual beings their whole lives from birth to death and that every age and stage has different needs and challenges. Sexuality includes sensuality, our needs related to touch and taste and smell. Sexuality includes knowing how healthy bodies operate so that we can get help if we find a lump or pain somewhere that there shouldn't be. And when asked, when should I have sex? As it often comes up in these courses. My answer is that when you understand the mental, physical, and spiritual effects of intercourse, and you've found and built trust with another person who is interested in you and also understands the mental, physical, and spiritual effects of intercourse, and the two of you are able to talk openly about it without a sense of shame or obligation, then you might be ready. So what is being chaste with this comprehensive and compassionate understanding of sexuality? It means to only engage in intercourse when there is consent and understanding from those involved. That's it. I hope that that is a practice many of us already practice, that we don't coerce people into it, for that would be immoral. It cares not, this, this understanding of chastity cares not if there is a racial difference if there's a gender difference. And this is important because if we are bound by the laws of the land as the epitome of morality, then chastity is only for those who the powerful lawmakers care for. It is used to be illegal. It used to be illegal for interracial couples to have sex. That would be a sinful act if authority only lied with the state or for homosexual couples to have sex. That would have been an unchaste act if we don't look to a higher standard of moral authority than the laws of our land written and held by corporate interests. Remember, Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 17. Fulfill the law of God where we are to seek justice love kindness, and walk humbly in relationship. Imperial chastity would have intercourse reserved for a select, socially powerful few. That's unjust. Imperial chastity would have intercourse relegated to only a means of reproduction. And that's not kind. 
and imperial chastity would have the rights for intimate relations be decided by the state, not through meaningful relationship. It is time for us to throw off the chains of imperial Christianity and recognize that imperial virtues are not holy virtues. The holy virtues of chastity, humility, kindness, temperance, charity, patience, and diligence are a powerful and effective way to change culture away from a dog-eat-dog, -dog, nepotistic status quo that the imperial powers that be sought not to abolish, but to confuse. Confuse the masses with false definitions and thereby remove them from the common lexicon. But God is patient. God is diligent. And we know better. So let's do better. This Lent, let us find a renewed sense of strength and understanding as we embrace this ancient rhythm of letting go so that new life may break forth at Easter. May we let go of the dehumanizing corruption that imperial Christianity has bled into every aspect of our life. Let us find new life with renewed sense of agency and commitment to living a holy and virtuous life. Through, though the imperial church has befouled much of society and our common understandings, to close, I will quote another meme that I saw this week. The inventor of the electric light worked by oil lamp. The inventor of steel had a house full of iron. Participating in the world as it is does not disqualify us from trying to improve it. We and those around us may be wrapped up in imperial culture, being told that virtuous lives are self-centered and cold. But for the season ahead, God calls us to give it up. Consider a new life-giving way to live, one that uplifts the commitments and virtues of our faith in firm opposition to the manipulations and lies of empire. As we go forth, may we offer grace to ourselves and to our world and those we interact with as we seek to walk an authentic and virtuous path. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.